0: Hello and welcome to East to West WLS, the podcast where we support the bariatric community with humor, humility, and honesty. I'm April and I'm the West. And I'm Jason and I'm the East. And today we have the amazing opportunity to sit down with the one and only Dr. Ariel Ortiz again today. Hi, Dr. Ortiz. Hi, guys. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us again.
1: Thanks for the invite.
0: Oh man. So the last time that, that you, that we had the opportunity to speak with you, you dropped a bombshell on us metabolic wellness. It was something that Jason and I had never really heard of before, and it really got our minds thinking uh, just about how important it is to our overall health and just how little you know, we know about it or a lot of people in our community know about it. So today we are so excited to continue this conversation with you about metabolic wellness because I think it's a tool that we can all use to live our lives at a healthy weight that's not so much connected to the scale.
1: Exactly, and I'm, pr- I'm pretty uh, uh, excited that you guys... Uh, went back to the drawing board and got studying a little and, and, and uh, for starters, maybe I want to ask the first question like, what did you guys think of when I mentioned metabolic wellness, what, w- what it was all about? Because it's a term that we've used and we've coined simply because things are falling into place and it seems that everything surrounds metabolic wellness but what did you guys think originally and how, how has it changed your mind now that you've done a little digging?
0: Oh man, well I could go first and Jason, you wanna, you wanna yep. uh,
1: mm-hmm. contribute as well.
0: So when you first said it, I instantly just went to like my metabolism. So how my body uses the the fuel that I put into it. Uh, so I was a little bit confused and in our first conversation, you definitely kind of helped outline you know, what what it is, which we will get into the conversation today. But how it's really helped me is it's allowed me to step away from the scale and not focus so much on what I weigh and maybe in the size that I am, but really focus on these health markers and indicators that go into me having a long, healthy life, right? So it's not necessarily, I mean, I might weigh something different than what I thought I should, but if, if all of those metabolic markers are in the healthy range, then I'm going to have a, a great life.
2: Jason, yeah, what about for, you? <laughs> for me, it was it, it was kind of funny. It came right in time with me having a visit with my primary care physician where she had run labs and we were actually going over those labs about two days before you know we had you on the podcast. And when you started talking about it and outlining everything, it it stepped right in line with everything that I had just gone over with my primary care physician about how out of control my levels were pre-op. And what my levels look like post op now that I'm at a much healthier weight than I was before, so I, <clears throat> excuse me, I never thought about that. Free, I, you know, I I just you people automatically think, well, I'll just ditch my medications and that'll be awesome because I don't have to take pills every day anymore. Well, you don't think about the the uh, the the upside effect of what that does to your organs and how much better it you know your your whole body operates as a whole versus just getting off of the pills. So it made a. It was a huge change for me and I I was, I was happy to hear that it went, that it coincided with just, you know, getting to lose some of the meds too. You know, and really what, what was so
0: surprising for me is that I, I mean, my surgical team was wonderful. My, my bariatric surgeon is phenomenal, but never in our conversations did anything about metabolic wellness come up. It really didn't. It was very, it was very focused on. Well, here's what you weigh. Here's what the chart says that you should weigh. Yeah, you, you've got sleep apnea. You have got some other stuff going on here, but eh, we're just going to focus on the weight. And there's so much more that goes into it that that actually I think almost matters more sometimes. And especially, you know, when, when you read about things in, in the news about skinny fat and how all these people who look like they're trim or dropping dead of heart attacks because they're not actually healthy, you're just going, okay, wait a minute. I thought forever that weight and my health was were the only things that matter. But that's that's not true. It's not the case.
1: Exactly. So there's, I mean, for starters, for, first of all, let, let me say that what you guys are doing for the community of uh, people that have undergone weight loss surgery is extremely important. The other thing that that I believe that uh, is is also as important is that you uh, are using information that's relevant, that has scientific basis and other the sources are reliable and you're being transparent because at the end of the day the only thing uh, I see here is is education and that's extremely important because knowledge is power. I always say it to my patients. Now, when we look at this whole mess we've gotten into in the past 30, 40 years on eat this, eat that, this is bad for you, this is good for you. I mean, it's no wonder everybody's so confused and they say, come on, give me a break, everything's bad for you. I mean, I used to put this, uh, uh, I don't know, sunblock that had the anti-cancer agent, Oh, they pulled out of the market because now it causes cancer it's like what so the stuff they told us was right now it's wrong and but there's there's a lot of recent information that's pointing towards one centric number one centric cause one centric element one centric hormone and many things derive from that and that's what's exciting because everywhere you're hearing different things from uh, how to diet, what to eat, what to keep away from, uh, lifestyles that are good for you, etc., cetera, et cetera. All these things, when you put them into a context of what is the objective that we're trying to, uh, to uh, reach, if you consider metabolic wellness as the ultimate objective, everything changes. So now it's not about how much body fat you have or how much uh, calories you've eaten or how how much exercise you do. It really is about one single thing and everything, all the health derives from that. And I want to call it all the health because 70% of the deaths in the adult population in America and other parts of the world are caused by metabolic unwellness. So go ahead and shoot with the questions because I know you've got a structured way of doing this and and let's get into the topic.
0: Hey guys, it's April. When I'm craving something sweet, I always head to my pantry and I grab my jar of retreat drinks, hot cacao. But I know I'm doing it for more than just my sweet tooth. Cacao is one of the highest plant-based sources of magnesium, the most efficient mineral in the Western world. Magnesium is so important for a healthy heart, and it helps turn glucose into energy, enabling our brain to work with laser-sharp clarity and focus. It's a total mood booster without the caffeine. I absolutely love it, and I think you will too. Visit retreatdrinks.com and use the code east west for 20% off your first order. Happy sipping. Oh, my goodness. Uh, we uh, Thank you so much for doing this. Yes, we are so excited to, to, to dive into this. Our conversation today is really going to focus on kind of three big things about metabolic wellness, what it is, what it means, what me- metabolic diseases are, and how they impact our health and longevity, and then how we can use metabolic wellness as a tool to help us live our longest and our healthiest lives. Wonderful. It's going to be awesome. Okay, let's dive in.
1: All righty. So, All so right. you, you said you said something really interesting and, and I'll and we might share some slides afterwards. I'll send them to you because there's these slides are extremely important. And when you graphically explain stuff, it actually hits home really well. Yes.
0: Yes. Wonderful. Oh, that would be phenomenal. Thank you for doing that. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's such a it's a term that you, you know, you would think you understand wellness and you think you understand, you know, what, what your metabolism is. And even though it's related, it absolutely isn't. And when you said that on our first interview, it really clicked a lot of things over for Jason and I, and it's important that people know that your weight is not your health. Your health is, is a bunch of different markers. And just like what you said, what kills most people is these metabolic diseases, right? It's it's that, it's not necessarily the weight. So I guess the first question that we would like to, to start off with is just really defining metabolic wellness or metabolic diseases. So what does it mean when you're describing a metabolic disease?
1: So I'm going to start off by looking at some evidences out there. Okay. Uh, let's start off with weight because everybody can relate to weight. Uh, y- you have around 70% of the population, adult population, has excess weight or obesity. Okay. And then the 30% doesn't. 80% of that first group, of the people that are overweight or obese, have metabolic syndrome. But 20% don't. And you've got the thin ones blaming the fat ones that they're the cause of metabolic syndrome, and I'll explain what metabolic syndrome is, 40% 40% of the thin ones also have metabolic syndrome.
0: Which means it isn't a weight thing.
1: So it's not dependent on excess body fat. In fact, obesity is growing at a rate of two point something percent on a yearly basis prorated in the past 30 years. And diabetes is growing twice that uh, velocity, 4%. Which means that it's, diabetes is not dependent on obesity. Di- diabetes is growing much faster than obesity. So these, these are s- starting points where it gives us an idea of well, damn if it's not obesity then what is it? Ah, mm-hmm. These are called markers and, you, and you've been mentioning markers. These markers are, let's measure five things. Uh, metabolic syndrome has some markers that ultimately determine disease. What are the metabolic syndrome markers? Excess weight, excess body fat, obesity. Uh, High blood sugar, known as diabetes. Mm -hmm. High blood pressure. Dyslipidemia. Or high triglycerides, high cholesterol. Bad cholesterol. Mm -hmm. Triglycerides. Mm -hmm. Very low, good cholesterol. And hyperinsulinemia so too much insulin so when you look at these markers eight out of ten people in the u.s have one of these markers which means that if we understand metabolic syndrome as one of these markers and we know that diabetes doesn't get better it gets worse hypertension Mm -hmm. doesn't get better with medications it's controlled but slowly but surely is going to need more medication and more medication. Yes?
0: Oh, that's the key word. It's controlled. It is not reversed.
1: The right. U.S. healthcare system is not health care. It's disease management. Oh. There's never been a single person with diabetes that took medication and got cured.
2: Yeah, where they just had to stop taking You're Like, oh, I took one long enough and now I don't have diabetes anymore.
1: Yeah, and I had athlete's foot fungus and I took this and look, my athlete's foot fungus is clear. Well, <laughs> you can't do the same with diabetes or hypertension or high triglycerides or high cholesterol. And why is this important? If you have diabetes, high cholesterol, high triglycerides, there's an overwhelming um, risk of you having a heart attack. Mm-hmm. It's just simple math.
2: Mm-hmm. In fact,
1: 30 plus percent of the U.S. adult population dies of a heart attack. One-third of the people that die, die from a heart attack. And it's always associated to either fatty uh, 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 pattern in, in the blood, which is high triglycerides, high cholesterol. It's uh, blood sugar and blood pressure. In fact, we believe, I, I personally believe, from all the research we've done online, that... Heart attacks are simply subclinical. Uh, our dia- our diabetes, mm-hmm. um, which result in the heart attack, and uh, other physicians are going to say, "Well, no, there's a lot of non-diabetics that die of heart attack." It's like, "Yeah, but it might be subclinical, because we believe that if you have a heart attack, if you have cardiovascular disease, you have the c- cause, and it's not high blood sugar; it's high insulin." So. Let's put this back into perspective. Metabolic syndrome is simply one of these markers that is excess body fat. And really, it's, there's a study between 2009 2016 that looked at the adult U.S. population and they measured s- waist circumference, uh, triglycerides, cholesterol, blood pressure, blood sugar, and insulin. And they found out that 82% of the adult population were sick. Mm. 82%. That means everybody listening and that... Uh, percentage less than 20% that's not sick be careful because you're in an environment that's causing sickness this was not the fact 30 years ago 30 years ago 40 years ago we didn't did not have this how can I confirm this it's really simple when you see the blood sugars from people 30 years ago they were more or less the same that there are now. Mm-hmm. So then people are going to say, well, wait a minute, it's Like blood sugars are the same, why are we sicker? It's like, well, when you look at the insulin levels of people, insulin levels are four times higher right now during this era than 30 years ago, which points to a central uh, uh, cause. It's really not the markers, it's not because you're fat or because you have triglycerides or you have your cholesterol, it's because the central marker, the central problem is too much insulin. And I'm going to leave it at that because we've got a lot of questions to (laughs) ask. If it's not because I'm fat or I (laughs) have bad cholesterol, why do people die?
2: But I should ask on that, the insulin level is not something that's going to come up in somebody's regular lab panel that they get done with their primary care doctor. And so I would imagine that's one of the reasons why so many people don't even realize that they're e- taking time bomb because we know a lot of people that have at least one, if not multiple, of those markers that you're talking about that are just walking around and they realize that they have the majority of it. But there's probably a lot of people out there walking around that have no idea that they're sick because the rest of their stuff falls in line, but that insulin level, could, like you said, could be four times higher.
1: I'm glad you mentioned that because that's exactly the biggest problem. When somebody has their blood sugar tested and the first day they are told, oh, your blood sugar is high, you're a diabetic. And people say, all right, I day one of diabetes. Yeah, you have day one of diabetes, but you've been sick for 20 years. Mm-hmm. The problem is we don't measure the insulin. So when should have an action for health should have been taken. That day your blood sugar was high? No, 20 years before. Same thing with the rest of the markers we were talking about. High blood pressure, very similar. I'm using diabetes because 10% of our population is diabetic. But the truth is 50% of Americans are diabetic. And I'll give you this stat. It's actually 52%. Between... Diabetes and pre-diabetes, half of the U.S. Pop- adult population has this disease. Now, what is pre- pre-diabetes? It's like, Mama, I'm a little pregnant. <laughs> it's it's very similar terminology, right?
0: Oh, oh, my God. You that... are
1: or you are <laughs> If you no. have pre-diabetes, you have diabetes. It's, yes, it's, it's going to progress. It's never going to get better.
0: No There's ways of
1: getting it better, but it's not medication-wise. It's not pharmaceutical. And and that's the most exciting stuff because we've been learning the wrong stuff for so many years. And we had to revamp and, and, and reboot our, our brain and say, wait a minute, where is all this stuff coming from? And, and I know uh, that uh, you guys checked out a, a few of the literatures I was telling you about. And these are exciting times, I have to say.
0: Well, it's... It- how you described it is is so perfectly accurate for for my experience, and I think a lot of our experiences. I was diagnosed as pre diabetic maybe five or six years ago, and the conversation wasn't how did it how did this happen and how do we reverse it. The conversation was take metformin. That was it, and that was the end of it. And you're you're left with this number, and you hear these scary words, but you don't have a path forward except take this pill, right? And and it almost feels like there's no hope because you just don't know how to get out of this situation because you kind of don't even know what got you in this situation. I was following Atkins and I was doing this diet and I was doing this diet and, right? Everything's all over the place, but nobody knows the impact that nutrition and food has really on their systems. And as you said, every day we're bombarded with, oh, cheese is good for you now. Oh, cheese is bad for you, right? Like nobody knows what what's what so i guess the the question that that i think first and foremost is how do people get these elevated markers for metabolic syndrome
1: so so there's science behind this and the science is not new in 1982 there was dr kraft published a study where he was forget about the blood sugar he started studying how insulin behaved and there's a study that everybody uh, maybe has had, uh, if you're diabetes, you're going to have this study done once or a couple of times in your lifetime, which is a uh, tolerance to oral glucose. In other words, they give you a sugary drink, and then they draw your blood five times during the next several hours, and they see in a graph uh, how high your uh, blood sugar went and then how low it went, and that's called a blood sugar curve postprandial or after the glucose uh, shot uh, tolerance of sugar in your blood okay so so that's called a blood sugar curve but what this guy did is like why don't we do an insulin curve how insulin behaves after you eat sugar and he found out that 76% of the non-diabetics that's 76 of the people you know that are non-diabetics were actually diabetes, diabetics. Their insulin curves were already altered, meaning that sooner or later they were going to become diabetics. Mm. Now, the important thing that he proved is that it's not about the blood sugar because many of these people are not going to end up with higher blood sugars and not become diabetics, but they still have the high insulin. Mm-hmm and then they end up with high blood pressure. Some of them don't have high blood pressure and high blood uh, 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 sugar, but they end up with a heart attack. And some of those don't have either, they still have high blood insulin, and they end up with cancer. So when we look at metabolic disease, metabolic syndrome, these markers will then lead to disease. What are these diseases that are killing us? Heart attacks? Cancer, that's 60% of the population. Mm -hmm. Between cancer and heart attacks. Alzheimer's, dementia, stroke. All those, five. And if you add to uh, diabetes, you basically have seven out of 10 people are gonna die from a complication or from a disease related to that. And where does it all start? It starts with insulin. Now, why do we have too much insulin? That is the question. Yeah, <laughs> that was my next question. <laughs>
0: You're reading my mind.
1: <laughs> All right. So it would seem when when there's causation in studies, that means I can find it that this caused that. That's causation. And sometimes there's just correlation, uh, which means that we found that people that, do this, end up with that. But sometimes correlation doesn't really prove anything.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So when we go back to history, we look at what has changed in the past 100 years. And I'll simply put it to you this way. So, 100 years, we did not know of heart attacks. In the early 1900s, heart attacks were crazy uh, 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 findings, it's like, oh, a heart attack. Cancer has yeah. grown 16-fold. Mm-hmm. Uh, diabetes was almost unheard of. Diabetes in adolescents and young children, I mean, that was non-existent. Mm-hmm. So all these diseases started creeping up on us during the past 100 years, especially during the 70s. It intensified in the 80s, and in the, in the 80s is when we see all the diabetes, onslaughts of diabetes and obesity uh, and, and heart attacks. This is when it becomes so intense and, and it's still growing. What else have we seen? We've seen changes in the way we eat and uh, most importantly w- we know that societies like the United States have a standard American diet that depends on 50 percent processed foods. Mm-hmm. and. Just in order to understand what processed food is, processed food is processed flour, processed fat, and processed sugar. When we look at patterns, we want to understand how come we're getting sick right now and we weren't sick 30 years ago. Well, you also go back to the 1950s and 1960s, and we were told that eating fat would clog clog up your arteries. Mm -hmm. Now, 9 out of 10 people listening uh, to us is going to say doesn't it clog up your arteries? It would seem logical, right? If you pour it down the drain, it clogs your drain. Well, in fact, it's not only never been proven, the opposite has been proven scientifically beyond a doubt. The more fat you eat, the more lean you become, the better uh, um, blood fats or triglycerides and cholesterol you have. The more fat you eat, the better Good cholesterol you have um, and by the way having high cholesterol has proven only the only thing that's really been proven in bigger studies is that you're gonna live longer what and, there, and there's some studies now that have analyzed the data on getting medication for cholesterol and when you look at the data and you analyze it and you you you've t- taken 20, 30 years of cholesterol medication, you may live an additional four days.
0: Four days for all that time and money? Oh, hell now, no.
1: <laughs> and the cholesterol, you can change your cholesterol patterns in a matter of days, depending on what you eat or what you don't eat or how long you don't eat. So the, the question about insulin, we, it's going back, what is causing our insulin levels to go high we really haven't pinpointed i believe that it's a combination of what we eat the type of food we eat mm-hmm. and it doesn't mean just the macronutrient more carbs it, it means how processed it is we eat crap because if you eat something and it goes outside down the toilet that's processed food right same yeah. as the industry has processed the food that they sell and then we eat it. We're eating crap. Um, so it's how processed the food is. And number two, there's an environmental factor that didn't exist. What are the things that we know now exist more than ever? Stress and inflammation. Those are two e- really important factors. And then processed foods and carbs of course and 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 fats Uh, so when you when we're trying to pinpoint what it is what we do know for a fact is that if you remove certain things from a person's environment and from their diet these diseases that are considered by the American experts the American Diabetes Society that says diabetes is a chronic and progressive disease and it's not curable damn i've cured patients with diabetes in seven days
0: i was gonna say right it's odd to me when you when i hear you say that because i know people who have reversed or cured their diabetes not through medication but through their diet right and and by kind of making these lifestyle changes they have been able to to reverse these uh, these effects of it so it's very confusing when you're, when you're hearing you speak and then you hear other people speak or you read other things. None of it seems to make any sense. But when you do consider how the world has changed and how the, the numbers of these awful endings for humans continue to go up, something is wrong. Something is clearly wrong because all of the things that they told us to do, go, go low fat, do this, do that. When the nation did that, all you saw was the number of these horrible deaths skyrocket.
1: The whole lie, just just go- right? So it's yep. like it was, it was all a lie, and and there were some studies published a very in the 2000, uh, sorry, in 1970s uh, that uh, looked at patterns in how people ate, and there was a 21 country study, and they found out that well, if you eat fat, nothing happens. But then the investigator, the researcher said, well, uh, I want to prove that if you eat fat, you have heart attacks, right? So he ended up with seven countries. He removed the rest and then said, ah, there you go. That's my theory has now been proven. So he basically cheated. And then he ended up uh, being hired by the U.S. government. He created the food pyramid and he said, you have to eat 10, 13 healthy, uh, whooping servings of carbs. Yeah. I believe that's one of the biggest killers that has happened because- well, once you have the American uh, 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 government recommending guidelines that you eat a lot of carbs, what did agroindustry do, do? They started oh, yeah. growing grains like crazy and started yeah. feeding us a ton of carbs. And yeah. that's how we ended up, uh, fast forward to today, that 50% of the food we eat is processed food. <laughs> and we forgot to eat real food.
0: Well, and I guess, and that's kind of my question. So when, when we're talking about processed food, or you're you're saying fat is not bad, but if that fat has been processed, it's not really a true fat, right? So the fat that you're talking about is like fat from natural cheeses or animals or nuts and seeds and like the, the real whole food fat, that is not what is causing these metabolic markers. What's causing it is these highly processed types of fats and grains and all these other things that we're ingesting because it's not the actual real food. It's like frankenfood, right? It's It's been altered to not even be what it's supposed to be. So when we ingest it, our bodies, do, they just don't know what to do with it. And they use it in a way that, that turns on or produces these metabolic markers.
1: There's so much science behind this. So our program, by the way, for those that are listening in, I'm a weight loss surgeon. I've been doing oh yeah 20, 25 years. And back then when I started 25 years ago, I mean, I would receive a patient, do the surgery, say goodbye, and that was it. And, yeah, I gave them a tool, but I kind of felt bad because there was nothing else I could give them because we poorly understood uh, what else to give somebody that was doing weight loss surgery. And now you've got so much information uh, out there, but unfortunately, the information is really uh, confusing. Uh, we now have a program for all our patients, even before the surgery, several weeks before, that's delivered in video doses every day, three-minute small vi- videos that arrive via email or to the app, t- so the patient can understand, have realistic expectations of, on what's going to happen to them, to their body, what the surgery does, can it can't do, and what their responsibility is. And then afterwards, this program will take them by the hand during the next number of months. But Mm -hmm. most importantly, educate them on stuff that we all had wrong. Fat is your friend as long as it's a natural fat. These processed vegetables, these processed seed oils are terrible for you. Mm -hmm. Don't drink them. Don't use them. Don't... And the problem is people say, well, uh, I don't eat anything, but, but if you eat something in a bag in a, ba- in, a, in, a can- in a box with a label on it, it's been processed with these type of oils because they're cheap. So Or if you have something deep fried uh, or, or cooked in any restaurant, it's always going to be one of these oils. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to ask, "Well, what the hell, what should I eat? Well, good oils. <laughs> what are the good oils? Avocado oil, of course olive oil, uh, ghee. Ghee is beautiful. Butter. Clarified butter. Mm -hmm. And uh, coconut oil. So, no, but coconut oil is bad. No, it's bullshit. The truth is, coconut oil is good for you. So, it's these oils that don't need stabilization through heat. If they use chemicals or heat to stabilize them, they're bad for your body and they become inflammatory. And then. They lead to all types of diseases, including heart disease. So it's these fats that are good for you. Um, plus, apart as you were saying, all the fats that come from animals, fats can come from um, nuts, the fats that come from avocado, for salmon, etc. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, so what about sugars? That's the big one because the truth is, apart from the sugar that comes in a fruit, that comes mixed with The fibrous tissue in a fruit, Mm -hmm. that's the only way it should be eaten, not juiced out and then hitting your body like terribly. So uh, out of the 800,000 products that are produced in the food industry, over 70% of them have fructose in them, sugar. That sugar, that fructose, is now, there's, now scientists are lobbying to get it categorized as a toxin as a deadly toxin sugar is fructose because you can only tolerate so much and after that your liver gets overwhelmed and lo and behold metabolic disease
0: well fatty fatty liver syndrome or fatty Mm. liver disease right these are all indicators of basically what we have been consuming and our bodies. My understanding is our bodies just don't know how to process it. So it's going to discard some, do some damage along the way, but you're also holding on to all of these things that you are ingesting. And the more and more that you ingest it, it just stacks on top of each other, which is where you get inflammation. It's where you get the the insulin issues. It's where you have the the blood pressure, right? Everything just kind of, it's this awful pyramid of disease that continues to stack on top of, of itself until you get to the pinnacle, which is your early demise in a horrible way. I mean, Alzheimer's, cancer—we right. all know people who have suffered from this, and everybody wants to avoid it, but yet nobody knows how to, or they're grasping at straws. And well, that's and why, on
2: top of that, to, to piggyback on that, you also have people that are taking all these different medications for whatever's wrong with them. On top of you say inflammation is one of the biggest, where well, most people either take a leave or ibuprofen or something to, to combat their inflammation. And their bodies are trying to process that through the liver and the kidneys and stuff as well. And it just, it can't keep up. But again, that's just management. That isn't actually dealing with the issue.
0: That's just kicking the can down the road until you kick the can. That sounds horrible. to do that. We, we've been through bariatric surgery. We are committed to living our lives in a healthy way. And I think what's so frustrating is that we, we, we have the surgery and we lose a ton of weight and we're feeling really great. And then the honeymoon ends because we realize our weight has stabilized, but maybe I don't feel as great. Or maybe I don't weigh what I thought I should, or I don't look the way that I should. Or we go to the doctor and we get the news. Oh, you still have X, Y, and Z, and you still need this, this, and this medication. And you're going, what the hell? No, no, no. I did this. So I didn't have to do that. So, right. So based on our conversations with you and other people in this community, the only way that we are going to find lasting success after bariatric surgery is that we use our physical tool and then we use our greatest tool, our minds to understand how food actually allows us to have a long, healthy life, which is very scary because up until the point of our bariatric surgery, me and food did not get along real well. I had a love hate relationship. I love to eat it but it was killing me. And now I, now you're telling me I have to interact with food again. No, no, no. I went into bariatric surgery thinking I'm never going to have to do this again. I'm going to live off of prepackaged protein shakes. It's going to be great. Right. But then we talk to people like you and you're like, oh my God, you're killing yourself all over again. You just want to pull your hair out. So tell us Dr. Ortiz, how can we use this knowledge of metabolic wellness to truly live a long, healthy life? What do we need to do to lower these metabolic markers so that we are not facing this very grim future?
1: All right, so I have good news and bad news. The bad news, I already (laughs) kind of shared it, and let's recap. The bad news is that if you have anything, a marker, that means excess weight, excess body fat, high blood sugar, high blood pressure, high triglycerides, high cholesterol, You probably have been sick for at least a couple of decades. And the disease is called hyperinsulinemia, too much insulin, and you've become insulin resistant. Much like when you put perfume in the morning and after midday you can't smell it, but other people can, you become resistant to your perfume. Why? Because you've had it so long. Same thing with uh, uh, too much insulin. You have too Uh. much insulin to a point that your body becomes resistant to it which means that you're still going to need insulin, but since your body doesn't respond to it, you have to secrete more insulin and more and more and more, and that's why it's progressive. So what is causing insulin resistant? Uh, It seems, like we said, analyzing how we have changed over the past 100 years that a lot of it points towards uh, what we're eating, the level of stress level we have, and the level of inflammation. So all that's the kind of bad news. Now, the good news is There's three ways to immediately revert metabolic syndrome. The most effective one is weight loss surgery. So, (laughs) whoop, whoop for everybody that's listening on. Yes. Uh, Number two, it's low-carb, high-fat nutrition or diets or lifestyle, low-carb, high-fat lifestyle. Now, do others work a low-carb, calorie diet or a vegan yeah they work but the gold standard the one that has proven in the literature to work the best in to be able to revert disease like diabetes is the low carb high fat eating pattern that's the best one nothing can can get close to it and the third thing that can revert metabolic syndrome is intermittent fasting but dog isn't the breakfast the most important meal of the day (laughs) didn't they say it's like don't fast because your metabolism is good no they were all lies in fact fasting will actually accelerate your metabolism if it's a fast 1 or 24 24 48 hour fast contrary to the popular belief so here we go recapping again the good news is that weight loss surgery low carb high-fat, and intermittent fasting. And a lot of folks listening in that have weight loss surgery, already have the weight loss surgery, do the other two. Sometimes they do it simply because they're not hungry, because surgery changes your eating patterns because of the hormonal patterns it causes. A lot of it also has to do with what you eat.
0: Hey, it's April with East to West WLS. I don't know about you, but after I dropped a significant amount of weight, my body just didn't feel like my own and I needed help feeling like it was my own again. So I started receiving chiropractic care. If you live in the Tacoma area, I cannot recommend Grit City Chiro more. Dr. McKenzie is passionate about helping you feel, function, and live better. Check out our Instagram at gritcitychiro or her website, gritcitychiropractic.com for more info and to book your first consultation. And if you mention East to West, you'll get a discount on your first visit. I feel amazing after seeing her, and I think you will too.
1: Carb craves carb. You eat carbs, you're going to crave carbs. Fat burns fat. Eat fat, burn fat. Eat carbs, crave carbs. So, and people, one of the most important thing, misconception, if you eat fat, it doesn't turn into fat. It just stores as fat, but then is released as energy carbs turn into fat okay they turn into fat right there in your liver and that's where the disease starts the inside the liver and inside your gut so what is metabolic wellness metabolic wellness is having good insulin patterns can we tell directly by measuring everybody insulin it's not a test that's still readily available i mean it's it's there but it's not something that's requested by your doctors but we can more or less tell how you're doing by these markers we were saying if you're losing body fat gaining lean mass if your triglycerides and cholesterol are getting better if your blood sugar is normalizing and you don't depend on medications and your blood sugars have normalized or getting better your HBA1C which is your the measurement <laughs> in the blood of how your Blood sugar has been acting up the past three months. It's kind of the history. It's, it's glycosylated uh, hemoglobin. Um, HbA1c it's called. If all those numbers are really good, you're probably doing something right. Mm-hmm. If anyone has, that has had weight loss surgery and gets tested, their markers are going to get dramatically better. For a time... But if you start screwing around with and challenging your weight loss surgery your tool, I have patients that around two years after, that they've challenged it so much that they come back again with diabetes. And when you have that, there's not much more I can go in there and chop. So oh. use the tool wisely. It's a tool and everything. And I understand people are gonna say, but doc, what to do, what to do? Well, of course. We are now understanding more and more what the science is about. And there's many resources where to really get in tune with the knowledge that's up and coming. It's like fabulous. It's so exciting. The most uh, exciting thing is that we don't need medications to survive and to be uh, healthy and even thrive. Um, And last but not least, I mean, in that equation, I was saying what you eat, how long you don't eat intermittent fasting or time-restricted eating, uh, weight loss surgery, and exercise. By the way, did you know that, and I think I mentioned it in the last program, that 15 minutes twice a week may be all you need to work out to have that positive effect?
0: (laughs) Oh, that is gonna make, oh, please tell me. Oh, I hope to God that's true i it, it, there, hate
1: studies supporting
0: that oh sign me up for that one because this this is what has always jason and i just we we are in awe of this every time and and jason and i always say our one of our models on east to west is fitness happens at the gym weight loss happens in the kitchen the two are related but they are not if you want a long healthy weight life you cannot be a slug on the couch it's not going to work out well for you exactly right? So you do have to move your body. Your body's built to move. It's supposed to move. You need to move it. But if you are eating like garbage, that's 99% of the equation. I lost 126 pounds and I didn't do a single squat, a single kettlebell swing or a a half mile. I didn't do shit. I watched what I ate. I focused on this tool on my brain and I learned as much as I possibly could. And now that I'm kind of almost two years out, my body's calling me to move. Okay, Okay, great. But I'm also starting to notice like, oh, some mornings my rings are a little bit tight. I have some inflammation. The only thing that it could possibly be is my diet, right? I mean, my stress level hasn't changed. That is too high. And I understand that that's a part of this equation. But my diet, what I'm consuming has varied. I'm eating a little bit more. I'm a little bit less restricted. My old habits are creeping back in. And lo and behold, I've got some stuff. That's an indicator that something is not well. And I went to my uh, one-year follow-up appointment with my doctor and they took all my, my, did the labs and the blood. And and when I went in, he said, oh, everything looks great. He didn't even tell me into my numbers, nothing. And I thought, well, aren't you going to tell me like this or that? And he's like, no, 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 you're all in the normal range. That's fine. I mean, I could have fainted because I'd never heard that before in my life. I went to the doctor and nothing's wrong. You got to be kidding me. But not having that information is turning out to be detrimental to me because now I can say, well, I'm totally fine. There's nothing wrong with me. My doctor <laughs> said my levels are great, but they're not like, I'm noticing these things and that lack of information could actually kill me because I really could be experiencing some of these metabolic markers, this syndrome. Exactly. Oh, oh God. Just when do you think you've got to figure it figured out? You learn you don't. So, so doctor, when you say eat low carb, high, high fat nutrition, you're of course talking about whole food on un, unprocessed foods, right? That's, that, that's, yeah, that's what we need to do. And intermittent fasting, I've actually been doing a lot of reading about this. And from my very basic understanding, our bodies are designed to work hard when the sun's up. And when the sun goes down, our bodies enter into this different mode where they're processing and doing the things that we did throughout the day, right? They're, they're making that work. Well, if you're eating constantly throughout most of the day, you're never giving your brain and your body the time to actually do what it's supposed to do. So you're constantly in the state of work, work, everything's work, 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 work. And it, you're not being as efficient with the foods that you're eating. Is that kind of the, the thinking behind timed eating or, or fasting?
1: And, and, and one of the most important things is that how you stimulate the most, uh, let's say, anabolic hormone in your body, that's called insulin. Insulin basically tells your body to burn Or to store okay energy how how is energy consumed well through your mouth and usually you either eat fat protein or carbs some Mm. people don't even understand the terminology these are called macronutrients Uh, all the carbs all the plant-based stuff all the grains uh, fruits etc leafy greens these are all carbs Then you've got the the proteins, which are usually, most of the times, they're animal. And then you've got the fats, well, uh, we've been explaining during this whole program. When you eat a certain macronutrient, insulin is gonna be stimulated, so it's secreted in your blood so you can process that uh, energy. When you eat carbs, insulin is secreted. When you eat protein, a lot less of insulin is secreted when you eat fat no insulin is secreted so the more times you stimulate insulin the more insulin you will have the more insulin you will have the more anabolic uh, hormone you will stimulate the more energy you will store into fat Insulin does two things. It stores, sugar as sugar, and it stores sugar and converts it into fat. Mm -hmm. But it also keeps your fat prisoner. So if you're stimulating insulin, you've ever heard those diets where eat six small meals a day, Mm -hmm. right? And if you're stimulating insulin, you're storing fat and you're keeping it there. You're telling your body... Don't release, so you'll lose a little bit of weight and then suddenly (coughs) you can't lose any more weight. Why? Because you're stimulating your insulin. So the idea behind (coughs) intermittent fasting or time-restricted eating and I probably mentioned, uh, I don't know if I mentioned it in in, in your program, but time-restricted eating would be as simple as skip a, a breakfast day one, skip a breakfast and lunch on day two, and on the third day eat your three meals. That's time-restricted eating because one day you didn't eat 18 oh. hours. The other day you didn't you didn't eat 30, 24 or more than 24 hours. And yeah. The, the last day you only uh, didn't eat 12 hours. That's time-restricted eating. But what that does for you, it prevents the overstimulation of insulin. You're giving your body a rest like you were saying. And you're giving your insulin a rest. And you're giving your tissue a rest. And then that sensitivity of your tissue starts gaining control and then suddenly you become insulin sensitive. Which means that you will have to secrete less insulin to c- counter every t- or to metabolize all the sugar you are eating or the carbs you are eating during a yeah. daily basis. And that means metabolic wellness when you slowly start diminishing your insulin and you start becoming more insulin sensitive. That cures all these diseases we've been talking about.
0: Hey guys, it's April. I don't know if you know this, but Gather Juice Company was our first podcast sponsor. And for good reason. They make some bomb ass juices. My absolute favorite is the Sunrise and the Pineapple Express. Night Vision and Goldilocks come in uh, real close, third and fourth. I also very much enjoy their smoothies. Pina Colada, top of my list. If you live locally in the Tacoma area, swing by their 6th Avenue location and try it for yourself. You're going to be hooked. Big shout out to Gather Juice. Thank you for your sponsorship.
2: Well, that's perfect that you broke it down that way because most people just assume intermittent fasting is you don't eat anything until 8 o'clock at night. And then you eat whatever you're supposed to eat, and then you try to go to bed on, you know, with all this food in your stomach. And, you know, most people are like, well, you know, I can't go a couple of hours without needing something. So how am I going to go all day until eight o'clock at night and still function at work and do all these things? But breaking it down like that makes it completely manageable because on my day off, I can run around and not eat anything till two or three o'clock, and I won't even notice.
0: Well, and that also kind of perfectly explains why people lose so much weight right after weight loss surgery is because you're not stimulating your insulin. Right. So your body is just using everything that it already has. And when you start to feel better, your inclination is, oh, well, I can I can eat more or I'm, you know, I can take it. And maybe you do need more, but you're eating the wrong thing. I mean, the piece stop. that was Right. Freaking stalls. Oh my God. Well, and the, the piece that was missing for you, Dr. When you said that carbohydrates stimulates the, the insulin, it was like, Oh my God. I had no idea. I had no idea. But now that I know what I'm doing, when I ingest a carb, that's more information that I can use to help me overpower that, that, that addiction or that, right. My old thinking right when i really want a sandwich let's say i can go but wait a minute do you really want to stimulate your insulin do you really want to go down that path that's a much different conversation than do you want a sandwich well of course i want a sandwich do i want alzheimer's no i do not and i get alzheimer's by stimulating my insulin and i'm not going to stimulate my insulin i'm going to go for this higher healthy fat high protein low carb option
1: yeah and there's carbs that are good for you leafy greens vegetables that grow above ground they're always good for you because they've got a lot of fiber with that uh, uh, complex carbohydrate, and they're going to come in and they're because you have to understand you do need to eat carbs, certain carbs, because you need to feed the animal within you, which is the microbiota. There's a living organism within your living organism, which is the intestinal bacteria, and mm-hmm. that's d- highly dependent your health is highly dependent including your metabolic wellness is highly dependent on your microbiota so i always say all my patients are in a program where they i decarb them Mm -hmm. i detox them and i replenish their gut that's my objective what do i always tell them run away from stress run away from inflammation inflammation everyone knows inflammation can be caused by stress and can be caused by the food you eat and can mm-hmm. be caused by toxins. So all that in itself is a combination. Last but not least, why do you exercise? You exercise for longevity. You exercise because again, there's certain uh, amount of insulin that's going to respond on how much blood sugar you have. But if your motor, your engine is burning that sugar constantly because you're moving, then your blood sugars are going to be less, your blood insulin level is going to be less, and you're going to be more sensitive to that insulin. If you're more sensitive to that insulin, you become healthy, insulin sensitive. If you are insulin resistant, you are sick. That's the big thing. That's the most important thing, and I like it, April, like you said. If you are concentrating on stimulating, not stimulating your insulin, everything changes in your mind. It's like, holy crap, I'm never going to eat this, I'm going to keep away from that, I'm going to take this healthy lifestyle. And it's accumulative because it's really easy to uh, fall out uh, of step or, or rhythm. And then it's really hard to back get back in because, oh, I already yes. screwed up once, screwed up twice. Well, here's the best news I can give anyone. Comes with some bad stats, but it's the greatest news. Over 40% of people in the United States have or had had liver, fatty liver disease at one point. 43% of the adults have fatty liver disease, okay? You know what? We can revert that in less than a week. And I've seen it. Not only physically, because I do surgery and I see the liver, I study patients with a specific study, CAT scan, MRI, etc. I know exactly what the liver content is and then I go and see it during the surgery 7 to 14 days after and liver disease has reverted. So, if anyone is straying from the path, get up, change, change your mind the renewing of your mind is what makes it says the bible so yeah renew your mind and it's all about simple things that empower you keep away from uh, uh, processed foods keep away from processed fats processed oils processed sugars Uh, uh, eat uh, low carb high fat do intermittent fasting keep away from inflammation control that inflammation control that uh, stress and exercise if you can do these things medications will be nowhere to be found in your lifestyle because you will be free of them.
2: Well, and and the good thing about that is, is, you know, April and I often talk about, people think, well, I'm not going to get fat if I just eat this one piece of pizza, I'm not going to gain all my weight back. If I just eat this one thing, it's not going to make that because that's the kind of invisible boogeyman there. It's like, oh, well, I'm just not going to blow back up from doing that. But if you can actually attach a face to it like what you're talking about, like an insulin dump or, you know, increasing your insulin output, that's something different that you can actually attach to those things and go, yeah, but no, because of this versus just going, well, you know, one piece of meat, you're not going to gain 120 pounds back. No, but it's going to be an insulin dump, and that's going to lead you down, you know, somewhere completely different. That, yeah, so, you know, that's something that, that, you know, people can use as another tool in their toolbox.
1: Definitely agree. It all starts with going, straying south a little bit, and then it gets out of control. But again, the biggest, best news is you can change it dramatically in a matter of days. Yes.
0: Yes. Oh my goodness. Dr. Ortiz, once again, you have given us so much food for thought and you have really helped show us the way out of sickness and into health, what what are your top recommendations uh, for people if they want to learn more about this? Are there books that they should access or or interviews that they should watch? Where where can they start to to go down this road with us?
1: So there's there's several. Uh, some some people like to uh, receive their content either via video. Some some people like to read. Some people uh, like to view it. Uh, what I always do is, depending on who it is and how deep they want to go, mm-hmm. but I believe that there's very good resources online. Unfortunately, none of them are government-based because government is yet to still understand what's going on. The guidelines are terrible. They're slowly changing. The American Diabetes S- uh, Society still says that uh, diabetes is not reversible and that you sh- should eat sugar that and that you should depend on insulin, by the way, Diabetes is a disease of too much insulin. You know what they give diabetics? More insulin. Insulin? Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> what's wrong with... What's, and, and that's mainstream medication around the world. That's how wrong we have it. But anyways, going to the resources, a great one is dietdoctor.com. A good friend of mine here from San Diego is the director, medical director, Brett Scher. Brett Scher has a podcast called The Diet Doctor Podcast. And he interviews the top researchers globally on his podcast we're talking about i think he's got over 50 podcasts now and mm. uh, he's he's got people like the guy that coined the phrase uh, carb loading and then became diabetic so suddenly he said damn i have it wrong <laughs> and he was started to uh, recommend high fat low carb and then he got uh, screwed around by the medical society and they wanted to pull his license so things of this nature have happened, and, and uh, another gentleman called um, Andreas Enfalt, he's the uh, the the founder of Diet DietDoctor webpage, dietdoctor.com, and he also had trouble because he was recommending high-fat, low-carb, and the medical community wanted to pull his license, and it so happens that they should pull 99.9% of the licenses because we all had it wrong and they had it right. Mm. Um, so diet doctor podcast is great diet doctor the webpage is really really good there's another one called low carb md this is also a podcast good friend of, of mine here in san diego uh, uh, brian lenskis and again why why am i going with a podcast because you can listen to these people these researchers eric westman ben, ben bigman uh all these uh researchers that have published so much on a topic that was so poorly understood because there was no scientific sources backing up the past 30 years of nutrition. We <laughs> finally are using science to back it up, and we've learned we had it all wrong. Um, so, and there's books out there, there's very good books. Um, the gentleman who's uh, in probably the most famous uh, promoter of intermittent fasting would be Jason Fung. <laughs> He's got several books, uh, The Code on Sugar, The Code on Cancer. (coughs) Ben Bickman, he's a researcher. And he, yeah, Why We Get Sick, exactly. And that's the book, Why We Get Sick. And every time he claims something, he puts a scientific little number reference on that book. That book is spectacular if you want to have a deep, deep dive. Last but not least, I recommend you see all the videos. You're going to keep on seeing these names of experts. Some are doctors some are journalists, some are researchers, um, and some are ex-patients, but they all went and took a deep dive into science and they found out that we had it all wrong and that most everything depends on insulin and how we stimulated, especially with these bad sugars that we're eating.
0: Uh, well, and, and I will make sure that, I, that we link all of your resources and your recommendations in the show notes so that our listeners and, and our community can dive in uh, in a way that, that makes sense for them. But I know that you sent us some recommend, recommendations the last time we spoke, and that was just a phenomenal introduction uh, for, for Jason and I. Dr. Ortiz, is there anything else you'd like to leave our listeners and our followers with today? I mean, there's been a lot of information, but...
1: Hope. Uh, if you already had surgery you've done the most difficult challenging part of this whole equation everything else is easy peasy just take it a step at a time and for those that have never considered weight loss surgery weight loss surgery is not only for weight loss anymore I do remember that group I was telling you all those non obese patients non excess weight but they have metabolic syndrome I do surgery on them too because it's not the excess weight that's going to kill you. It's the metabolic syndrome. So weight loss surgery is not for weight loss anymore. Which just is- not for weight loss. It's for a lot more stuff.
0: It is, right? And as you were talking earlier in our in our other episode, it, bariatric surgery is much more about just excess weight, right? It's about overall health. It's about this metabolic disease and me- metabolic syndrome that we have going on in our, in our own bodies. So- just amazing. Oh my goodness. Dr. Ortiz, we cannot thank you enough for joining us again today. Your, your time is extremely valuable and we very much appreciate you giving, giving some of us that time so that we can educate ourselves and our community so we can all find a, a lasting, lasting life.
1: Well, thank you for what you guys do because people need it and I'm glad they have a support system in you.
0: We feel the same way. Jason, you want to take us out?
1: Yes, ma'am. Yeah, Dr. Ortiz,
2: we can't thank you enough. Your your time is invaluable, and we we thank you. and We welcome you back anytime. Uh, everybody that li- will listen to these episodes will have more information than they know how to process. So that's that's always a good thing. So, uh, and to everybody that that's followed, liked, shared, subscribed, you know, followed us along on our journey, we appreciate that. We would not be able to do what we do without you guys' support. You know, your support supports us, helps us support you. And uh, we get to do what we love and that's, we can't thank you enough for that.
0: All right, you guys. Well, again, Dr. Archies, thank you so very much. Uh, he will be a special guest at our upcoming virtual bariatric meetup. So if you'd like more information from him, make sure that you join us then. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you, thank you so much. God bless. You too. Thank
1: you.